The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code DKHOOPS. That's code DKHOOPS for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters— With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. I'm Israel Gutierrez, uh, host of Four Years of Heat. If you haven't listened to it yet, you're missing out. It takes you through the uh, 2010 to 2014 Miami Heat. Obviously, LeBron was on that team, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, and um, this guy right here, was close. He was almost on that team. Uh, Chris Quinn is future head coach is what I like to call him, but he's currently an assistant head coach with the Miami Heat. Played with the Heat uh, from 08 to 10, or was it 7? 6 to 10. 6 to 10, excuse me, 6 to 10. And then um, played for some other teams and then eventually became a a coach here. But I wanted to take you back to your playing days because you were a Notre Dame guard, um, all Big East first team your senior season. you were actually one of the undrafted Miami Heat stories, right? Talk to me about how you ended up with Miami and just your experience there playing alongside Dwayne. Yeah, so it was, it's interesting. I was just thinking about it. It was 17 years ago now, you know, that I was here in Summer League trying to earn a spot. Uh, basically, I went undrafted in the 2006 NBA draft. My agent called right after the draft. The Miami Heat they were coming off the 06 championship. Yep. They had most of their team back. And um, they had a couple spots that, you know, towards the end of the roster uh, that were open and they wanted a, a couple young guys. Uh, of course, you know, they had no draft picks that year. So there was no other guys uh, drafted ahead of me right. f- for the Heat. There was a few of us that they signed right away, basically on a summer league training camp type deals uh, so that we could go in there, compete, battle it out um, and, and eventually, you know, try to try to make make the main roster. Um, you know, I was lucky enough, you know, my, my rookie year was obviously Dwayne in his prime. Uh, Shaq was still there. Zoe was still there. Gary Payton, Jay Will. Uh, it, was, it was the star-studded 06 team. Right. Um, so it was an incredible experience. 
uh, getting to know those guys, uh, being in the locker room with those type of Hall of Fame uh, guys. Um, and, and obviously you mentioned Dwayne. Uh, you know, those years I was there, that, that was his prime. Uh, you know, he got injured the one year, then came back and led right. the league in scoring. Uh, but just what, what a special player that, that always rose, you know, to the occasion in the biggest moments. I want to go back to the, the year, the, the injury-prone year, the year that they basically didn't win a whole lot of games and they were just giving a lot of people some time, but you had some great moments in that year. Uh, any sort of memorable standout moments? Because there was one play, I want to say it was against the Phoenix Suns, it was just like a fast break. I think it was an and one, and I think you even shocked yourself with the finish, and I'm just like, I love seeing that from players who are in the league and maybe are surprising themselves. Like, what were some of the highlights from your, your stint there? Yeah, it was one of those games where the... Uh, we were down, I think, 15 or 20, and they, they put in the, the second unit right. for uh, the fourth quarter, and then we made a big run, uh, cut their lead, I think, eventually to two or three. Uh, but it was the, the shot. Someone actually asked me about it yesterday and was wondering if uh, it was a trivia question if I knew who fouled me when, uh -huh. I, when I made that, that shot, but I actually don't remember. Hmm. Um, but I, I do remember the moment. Uh, I kind of just threw it up, and it went in. Um, but it, it was a... A lot of fun moments, you know, a lot of moments behind the scenes of hard work. Uh, obviously, my first two years, I played for Coach Riley, yeah. um, which was an amazing experience. And then my last two years, basically a year and a half, was, was under Spo, uh, played for Spo's. That was his first two years. I actually joke with Spo all the time that in, in 2010 that he traded me <laughs> um, away from the Miami Heat. Right. Um, you know, obviously the next summer is when they, when they got the, right. the, the big three. What was that like when you... You're, you traded away, and then all of a sudden you turn around and be like, "Oh no, LeBron just signed with the Heat. What just happened?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a bittersweet moment. But you know, I, I joke with Spo. He says at that time he didn't ha he didn't have a lot of pull, but I joke with him that he traded me away. Um, and it, it was just you know I was happy you know for the organization, uh, created a lot of great relationships. Uh, fortunately, those relationships eventually led me back uh, as a coach. And obviously, Spo as a young coach, uh, being put in that position and then and then doing so well with it was, was super cool to see. Yeah, I was going to say what you saw, what you experienced from Spo. He's clearly a different coach than he was than he is now uh, back then. But what did you see from him in those first couple of years that made you think, hey, this guy's got something? Yeah, as always, it was it was the same uh, concepts. It was his work ethic. Um, he, he had a ton of grit as a head coach. Uh, he was always trying to look for ways to improve, get better. Uh, how can I be better as a coach? How can I how better serve our players? Um, and, and he would always look at himself first. Uh, after a, a bad loss, after a win, he was always looking in the mirror. How could he do better? How could he help the team more? Uh, those are the things that have led him to become, you know, obviously one of the one of the best right now. Now, after you left the Heat, you had some stints with some other teams. You played in Russia. You played in Cleveland also. Talk to me about how you got back to Miami. What was the path to get you into coaching? Yeah, so my fifth year, I played in San Antonio with the Spurs, uh, which was super cool. Obviously, you know, I went from Pat Riley, Eric Spolster to Greg Popovich. It's three of the top, you know, they just did the top 15 list right. of all time. These are, the, these are three of the, the, the greatest of all time. Uh, so I got to learn from, the, from them, you know, basketball 101 uh, from three of the greatest minds. Uh, my sixth year uh, playing professionally was the lockout year. Right. And, uh, you know, my agent called in... in the middle of the summer basically said hey i have a deal for you in russia uh, at that time you know there was a lot of discussion if the season was even going to start yep. um you know what, what did that look like i think it eventually started around christmas, christmas. yeah right um and then the, you know basically at that point i was like 
not guaranteed to be on an NBA roster. I, I was still fighting my way, you know, e even after my fifth year. Um, and I got a, you know, a good deal to go to Russia with my wife, uh, my newborn son, who's 12 now. Uh, we, we took off, went to Russia, uh, played a season there for, for Kimki Moscow. Um, and it was an incredible life experience. Really? Yeah. I mean, there was, there was good days and bad days, but uh, for my wife and I, you know, we still look back, talk about, you know, the different experiences we had. Um, what were some of the good days? Like, what, what do you remember? So, so the, the thing I remember the most is that our team won the Euro Cup, which was a, a big event there. Um, and it was just like uh, towards the end of the season, it was a culmination of a lot of hard work, a lot of, uh, you know, good days, bad days. And then I just remember my teammates. So basically our team was c consisted of six Russian players and six, you know, foreign players, non-Russians. Non uh, so there was a couple of, of, of Americans. We had... Um, an Australian, we had uh, a couple Croatians, and I just remember hanging out with them and, and getting to know the, the different cultures. Uh, you know, we would we would hang out all the time. Um, you know, go get coffee is like a way of life over there. Yeah. Um, but it was just super cool to, to get to know uh, know know a whole a whole different way. All right, so you got to Miami as an assistant coach um, when Jimmy Butler got there. Um, Talk to me about sort of the, the fit that he was with the Heat and how he maybe he even elevated that just sort of on-court competitiveness that the Heat just so loves to, uh, you know, say that they're, they're very good at. <laughs> right. Yeah, so Jimmy was just like a, like a perfect match for, for, you know, for the Miami Heat. Uh, he came in, he, he, he does it all, he works super hard. Uh, he, he's, a, he's a great leader in the locker room. Uh, and, you know, the one thing, you know, a lot of us, in, in the heat culture have in common is, is we're super competitive and you know for, for better or worse if, if things aren't going you know the way we all think they they are, uh, should be going we we, we have a, a level of accountability we, we talk to each other uh, we preach eye-to-eye -eye communication um, you know all these things that you know Jimmy stands for as well um, obviously there's moments where you know he gets frustrated if we're not winning but you know that w we all kind of feel like that and it was just a good match. Um, and obviously, you know, now he's, you know, taking us, you know, to multiple uh, finals, you know, multiple conference finals. Um, and I think it's just been a, a great match for, for the Heat and Jimmy and, and uh, working together, you know, towards a, a common goal. You guys had such a, a great run through 2020, through the bubble. And, you know, the couple of years after that, the first round against Milwaukee and then the game seven against Boston. But this past year, during the regular season, what, because Spo says we were close all regular season, but from the outside looking in, you might not see that, right? So talk to me about what was just off during the regular season enough to make the record be what it was. Yeah, I think it was a combination of things. Um, obviously, uh, availability injuries uh, are, are a part of it, but also, like, we, we, would have, we would have great wins and we would have bad losses. Right. And, you know, sometimes against some of the better teams, we'd play better. And against some of the other teams, we, you know, we wouldn't play as well. Um, that's a consistency you just don't expect or an inconsistency you don't expect. Yeah, it was like a roller coaster of, of a season, regular season. Um, and, and we just we kept grinding through it. We, we, we stuck together. Uh, there was definitely days where we all felt like we, we weren't, you know, we weren't any good. We didn't perform the way we wanted to perform. Um, for a team, sorry to interrupt, but for a team that's been together for a few years, when you're at that point where it's just like, what's happening, we can't figure it out. Like, what do you do to do that? What do you do to just say, look, trust me, it's going to be okay? Yeah, I think you have to maintain optimism, but then also like address the issues at the same time. Uh, we, we had, 
you know, we, we, we checked every box. Like, well, there was meetings, there was team meetings, film sessions, practices, um, whatever it took to just keep grinding through uh, while maintaining a, a optimism and a belief that we were going to figure it out. Right. Um, the good thing is we had super high character guys in our locker room, and, you know, that belief started with them. Um, a lot of them, you know, felt the way we felt. If we can, if we can get it right, if we can click at the right moment, you know, we can, we can make something special happen. Um, and, and I think, you know, you, you talked about Jimmy. A lot of that even started with him and, and his belief. Um, you know, he thinks when he goes on the court, he's the best player, regardless who else is on the court. Yeah. And, you know, uh, we, we all felt that same way. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code DKHOOPS. That's code DKHOOPS for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See DKNG com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I wanted to ask you about Udonis Haslam and obviously retiring, but how much of a role did he have in just maintaining everybody because he'd been doing it for so long? Yeah, he had a huge role. Um, and obviously transitioning uh, to whatever he's going to do next, he's going to have a huge role uh, as well. Uh, but he was always the first one speaking, the first one reminding guys when they needed to do do better, but also encouraging guys, with, you know, that we were really close. Um, and, you know, you know, right away, UD, he's got, he's got that credibility right away. Uh, he can tell anybody anything, and then they're going to respect what he has to say. Um, and then I think it was a great moment that uh, that last game that, you know, he played, and he played so well. So good. And uh, guys were basically like, oh, man, he's, he's still got it. He can do it if, if, if he needs to do it. Uh, so that was a cool kind of, you know, uh, springboard into the playoffs. And then obviously the playing games were, were, were still a challenge for us. We had to grind through those. Uh, and then we just kept, uh, kept grinding through it, you know, day by day, you know, little by little. You know, I think uh, Spo mentioned in the playoffs there's be beauty in the struggle. Yes. Um, and, and really that's kind of how we all approached it. Yeah, Spo, I, if people actually listen to what he says and not just, like, think it's coach talk, they'll actually understand. I mean, it's, it, there's meaning to what he's saying. It's not just coach speak and not just trying to get people, you know, out of, out of the media room there. But um, I, I wanted to just go to that first round of the playoffs. So what was, was the play-in loss to Atlanta? Was that the lowest point of the season? Because everybody else from the outside looking in thought, oh, okay, they'll just get it right at the end, win that playoff, it'll be all good. Yeah, so coming in the locker room after that game was, was very discouraging. Uh, we had been beaten and been beaten handily by Atlanta. Um, and basically we, you know, had a, a, a day and a half to figure out, like, you know, we got to get ready for Chicago now. Uh, and we got to figure out how we're going to just get one win. Um, and the good thing, going back to, you know, the, the character of the guys in that locker room, that those guys wanted to win. And they, they wanted to, to keep playing. They wanted to, to keep fighting together as a group. And uh, you could tell in the second half of that Chicago game that, that our guys were, were not going to quit and just keep battling. That guy from Max Struess. Yeah. Uh, so how is it that a team that just barely crawled into the playoffs, winning the Bank Chicago game basically in the fourth quarter, has the type of confidence to go into Milwaukee and take game one? Like, what were the conversations like? What did Jimmy, Bam, or anybody do to make anybody feel that that could happen? Yeah, so it started with Jimmy and Bam. Obviously, they... They immediately instilled belief in, in everybody and, and the rest of the team. Uh, Jimmy was, like, extremely locked in at that point. Um, and, and, and we all could see it. We could sense it. Uh, we knew he was locked in. Um, and then we also knew, like, we had just had, like, two battle-tested playing games. You know, it was uh, uh, the Atlanta game and Chicago game really prepared us to win game one against Milwaukee. Right. They had, they had had, you know, a lot of time off at that point. Uh, we, we, we felt like we were just, you know, ready to, to go in there. And, and, and we really just focused on getting game one um, and seeing where that could get us. And, and you got game one, but you lost Tyler <laughs> with yeah. a broken hand. Like, it seemed like immediately the challenges were smacking you guys in the face. And it didn't seem like it was an issue. Um, take me to the 56-point game from Jimmy. Because throughout that first round, when people say playoff Jimmy, it's because... He's taking shots he wasn't taking in the regular season, making shots he wasn't taking in the regular season, and it's just like a person you've just never seen before. So when you're watching that 56-point game, you're thinking what? I'm just watching, like, in amazement. Uh, that second half, you know, the shots he was hitting, um, you know, the, the skill that it required, but also just his will to win. 
um, it, it was it was insane. And, and all of us are just watching, taking it in. I, you know, uh, a lot of us kept the box score from that game. Really? You know, a lot of people are talking about it's one of the greatest performances, you know, in, in playoff history. And really, we're just watching with amazement uh, at the, the amount of will uh, to win. And, and those are shots, like you said. He's not taking as many of those in the regular season. Um, but he has a, a, a great feel for the game. He knows when he needs to score, when he needs to get his teammates involved. Uh, and he can control the game, you know, on both ends in so many ways. And, uh, I mean, I still think if Josh Hart doesn't slide under his ankle, it might be a different finish to the season. But uh, the, the next round, I think after the first two games, Bam got a lot of criticism, right? And one of the things that drives me nuts is when people criticize Bam for not being this refined offensive talent. If Bam had that refined offensive game, he'd be the best player in the league, right? Because he does everything else so well on the defensive end. So talk to me about Bam, what he means to the team, and where that like offensive complaint comes up empty. Yeah, so for us, like a lot of that other stuff that people say about Bam is just noise. We're constantly reminding him, you know, what he means to the team, how important he is on both ends. You know, arguably the best defender in the league. Uh, we ask him to do so much on that end of the floor. Uh, multiple coverages. He switches. He guards one through five. Uh, he's just as good at guarding a perimeter as he is a big. Um, and then offensively, we, we play through him a lot. Even if he's right. not taking the shot, even if he's not being aggressive, we can always throw the ball to him. Um, and sometimes it's just to be a pressure release. Uh, but he's getting other guys involved and you know, a lot of that is, is through our system uh, that we can we can we have the uh, you know option to play through him because of his skill level. Yeah. Um, and you know, a lot of that means he's not always going to be scoring um, like maybe other people want him to do. But we all fully understand how important he is uh, to our team on, on both ends of the floor. Uh, and then I just want to take you to that uh, Celtic series uh, up 3-0. Must feel great. The level of like ascending stress after loss one, loss two, and loss three. Like, what were those experiences like? And what was that space between games six and seven where Spo and Jimmy said, yeah, we're going to go win. But everybody else is like, eh, I don't know. Yeah, so um, as, as great as our, our run was in the playoff, after game six was a worse feeling than the feeling we had when we lost to Atlanta. Really? Um, you know, to lose in that fashion, point one on the clock, uh, on offensive tip and rebound, and then have to go to Boston uh, for game seven and, and pick, pick, it, pick up the, the crew, uh, rally the troops. Um, but right after the game, uh, Spo was saying that, Jimmy was saying that, and I think it really, it really made everyone else believe. Um, by the time we got uh, 24 hours later, I think everyone believed we were going to go in there uh, and, and get that win. Um, but obviously, you know, being up 3-0 to, to tied is, uh, it is, it was a lot of pressure. Um, at some point after the game, we all, uh, congratulated Spo on, on not being the first coach to go up 3-0 <laughs> and then, and then, uh, right, and then lose the good. series. So, you know, we definitely had that going for us as well. Yeah, uh, it must've been a great feeling. And just the last thing on Spo specifically, cause he was obviously part of the podcast and like, that was where he grew like as a coach, you know, uh, coaching LeBron and just learning and just that desire to just not be the reason why the Heat lost. Now, in 2023, he's considered the best coach in the league. What makes him such a special coach? I think the fact that 
even though he's thought of that way, he still is the same guy. He still, uh, after a, a regular season loss, is upset if we're not doing things the way he wants them done if, or, or the way we all want things done. He's still continuing to try to improve as a coach, as a leader. Um, and, and thats I, I don't think for him that's ever going to change. Um, and uh, obviously he's matured a lot as a coach. He's learned a lot through experience. Uh, but he's still, to this day, trying to, trying to figure out today how he can be better from yesterday and tomorrow be, be better than today. I used to say this when you were a player. I used to say, if you want to win, play Chris Quinn. And so now if you're uh, hiring a coach, if you want to win, hire Chris Quinn. Guy's going to be really good. Chris, thank you so much thank for your you. time. I appreciate it, brother. Thank you very much. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleha Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.